For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. So I want to talk about two traditional teachings tonight. The Buddha work and the ancestors. So I want to talk about them from teachings by Hongzhi Zhangzhui, who's a Chinese teacher a century before Dogen. 1091 Birth and death originally have no root or stem, appearing and disappearing, originally have no defining signs or traces. The primal light, empty and effective, illumines the head top. The primal wisdom, silent but also glorious, responds to conditions. When you reach the truth without middle or edge, cutting off before and after, then you realize one wholeness. Everywhere, sense faculties and objects both just happen. The one who sticks out his broad, long tongue, and that's a way of describing the Buddha, the one who sticks out his broad, long tongue transmits the inexhaustible lamp, radiates the great light, and performs the great Buddha work. From the first, not borrowing from others, one atom from outside the Dharma. So this Buddha work, is um, yeah, so the Buddha work. This is what we're all doing. This is our bodhisattva job. This is what Zazen is. This is what the various practices we do in the world all the time. That's what this is. We're doing the Buddha work. How do we do the Buddha work? Well, that's the question that we live with as practitioners. How do we do the Buddha work? How do we do the work that helps awaken all beings? That expresses kindness and listening and uprightness and all the qualities of Buddha and of Zazen. So this teaching of the Buddha work that Hongzhat refers to in that passage is also important for Dogen. A hundred years later, uh, I'm going to read a little bit from, uh, this, this is from uh, Ben Wa. So Hongzhat has been kindly teaching about Thursday mornings about Fukan Zazengi, which is uh, one of the early teachings of Dogen about Zazen. I would say Ben Wah is Dogen's expression of the meaning of Zazen, and particularly this one section 
that we sometimes chant called Jiji Usama in Japanese or self-fulfillment samadhi. So I'll just bring a little bit of this as it relates to the Buddha work. When one displays the Buddha mudra with one's whole body and mind, sitting upright in this samadhi, in this meditation, even for a short time, Dogen says, everything in the entire Dharma world becomes Buddha mudra, becomes the gesture, the posture of Buddha. And all space in the universe completely becomes awakened. This is not how we usually think about anything. How is it that just doing this, sitting in Buddha, like Buddha, like this, even for a little while, how can that lead to all space awakening? A little later in the same section, uh, the Sazen person, without fail, drops off body and mind, cuts away previous tainted views and thoughts, awakens genuine Buddha Dharma, universally helps the Buddha work in each place, as numerous as atoms, where Buddha Tathagatas teach and practice, and widely influences practitioners who are going beyond Buddha, thereby vigorously exalting the Dharma that goes beyond Buddha. At this time, because earth, grasses and trees, fences and walls, tiles and pebbles, all things in the Dharma realm in ten directions, carry out Buddha work. Therefore, everyone receives the benefit of this. So, uh, and all are imperceptibly helped by the wondrous and comprehensible influence of Buddha to actualize the awakening at hand. So, carrying out the Buddha work. Sazen is carrying out the Buddha work our expression of the practices of generosity and ethics and patience and effort and meditative stillness and wisdom, Vajnaparamita, are all expressing the Buddha work, sharing the Buddha work, carrying out the Buddha work. There's another phrase in that, in that passage which uh, is important for Dogen. He talks about going beyond Buddha. So, our practice is not to get to some other place called Buddha. Buddha is already here. You don't necessarily feel your belief, but Buddha is over here, on your seat, right now. From the first time you sit down and feel the wholeness of Sazen, Buddha is here. But then how do we carry out, how do we perform the Buddha work? So this is not something, this is, this is uh, our zazen practice of just being upright and present and paying attention and breathing and feeling the ground under us. And of course, it's also the Buddha work that we get up, go to work, interact with family, friends, neighbors. How do we express Buddha? And this isn't something that there's some formula for. This is something that's deeper than that. How to perform the Buddha work, that's our job. But it's also our joy. How do we express this presence? The presence that we can feel in Zazen. Anyway, how do we take care of the Buddha work? 
So part of that is Dharma, studying the Dharma, studying old teachings and new teachings. Part of it is Sangha. How do we take care of Sangha and community? We practice together. So this is all challenging. How do we take care of Sangha? This is performing the Buddha work. And we could, you know, have some discussion about how we see the Buddha work. But I want to talk about this other aspect, this other practice, this other teaching from Hongja, not just from Hongja. So Hongja's, uh, we chanted the song of the grass hut from one, another one of our ancestors, Shita, who lived in the 700s. So this is this tradition, this teaching tradition that Dogen expressed so, so wonderfully, that Shinri Suzuki Roshi expressed so wonderfully, goes way back. We have many teachers and practitioners in every generation who kept it alive so that we could be this now. So another passage about, this is about the ancestors from Hongshan, from cultivating the empty field. Turn to the source and serve the ancestors. Those who produce descendants are called ancestors. Where the stream emerges is called the source. We can see that as Shakyamuni Buddha back in India, or we can see that as just I'll inhale and I'll exhale. And going back to see the source of our thoughts and feelings being present. So this idea of the source in Zen is important and, and uh, a little ambiguous, a little bit difficult. Anyway, Hongshu says then, after beholding the source and recognizing the ancestors, before your awareness can disperse, be steadfast and do not follow birth and death or past conditioning. If you do not succumb, then all beings will show the whole picture. Wake up, and then turn the ground, the roots, and the dusts are clearly cast off. Although empty of desires, the deliberation is cut off, transcendent comprehension is not all sealed up. Perfect bright understanding is carefree amid 10,000 images and cannot be confused. Within each dust mode, within each situation, within each aspect of everything we interact with, within each dust mode is vast abundance. In a hundred thousand samadhis, meditations, all gates are majestic, all dharmas are fulfilled. Still, we must gather them together and bring them within to reach the time honored. Return to the source and serve the ancestors. Join together into unity, scrutinize yourself and go on. So, our practice is to join the ancestors. And there's lots of ways to think about this. Of course, uh, sometimes we chant the lineage of ancestors in the Zen tradition from Shakyamuni to Bodhidharma, to the Sixth Ancestor, Bhima, to 
to Dogen, to Suzuki Roshi, and to us. So there's this particular lineage. But in each generation, there were many people who were keeping this alive so that we could be practicing here in this um, strange 21st century. We also have a list of women ancestors because even though in the uh, patriarchal cultures of Asia, they recognized the male teachers as the ancestors. So there were some, there were some women teachers who became ancestors in the lineage. But anyway, uh, there were always women as well as men practicing, keeping it alive. But this idea of ancestors is very rich. So we have our Zen lineage of ancestors. But we also have genetic ancestors, cultural ancestors. So sometimes ask how many people know something about your, any of your great grandparents. So I'll ask that. You know something about any of your great grandparents? Yeah, a few people raised their hands, some people didn't. But I think in our post Darwinian world, you might all agree, even if you don't know anything about your great grandparents, they're part of who you are. And we also have many cultural ancestors. So if you like music, there are many great ancestors, musician ancestors. If you like literature, there are many great writer ancestors. If you like martial arts or athletics, there are many ancestors. In each tradition, uh, for the psychologists here, there are many ancestors uh, in in the study of the mind. So, uh, how do we serve the ancestors? How do we take care of that which we have perceived? How do we express that in our lives, in our practice? So, there's another section in Hongzhi that is that expands this a little bit. Fully appreciate, appreciate the emptiness of all dharmas. Then all minds are free and all dusts dissipate in the fundamental brilliance, shining everywhere, transforming according to circumstances. Meet all beings as your ancestors. I'll come back to that, but I'll finish the passage. Subtly, subtly eliminate all conditions magnanimous beyond all duality, clear and desireless, the wind and the pines and the moon and the water are content in their elements. Without minds interacting, wind and pines or moon and water do not impede one another. Essentially, you exist inside emptiness and have the capacity to respond outwardly without being annoyed, like spring blossoming, like a mirror reflecting forms, the middle of the noise spontaneously emerged from a single ground. So, it's actually very poetic uh, 
I could read that whole thing again if anybody wants, but uh, they were made that it's requested. Okay, I'll read the whole passage again, but the key phrase through this talk is meet all beings as your ancestors. This, there's something in Tibetan Buddhism where they say that every person you meet was in some past life your mother gave birth to you. This is related. Meet all beings as your ancestors. Everyone you meet, even the people who are difficult and you have difficulties with, are your ancestors and are supporting you. So I'll read that, that whole passage again. But fully appreciating the emptiness of all dharmas, fully appreciate the emptiness of all dharmas, that all minds are free and all dusts dissipate in the original ground and the fundamental brilliance shining everywhere transforming according to circumstances. Meet all beings as your ancestors. Subtly eliminate all conditions that manage beyond all dualities. Clear and desireless, the wind and the pines and the moon and the water are content in their elements. Without minds interacting, wind and pines or moon and water do not impede one another. So home just very poetic and this is this wonderful nature of nature. Essentially, you exist inside emptiness and have the capacity to respond outwardly without being annoyed, like spring blossoming at the mirror reflecting forms amid all the noise. Cicadas are some songs tonight. Amid all the noise, spontaneously emerge from the fundamental ground, from the single. So, this. Uh, sense of doing the Buddha work has a lot to do with serving the ancestors, appreciating the ancestors, taking care of the ancestors. This isn't just Chinese Confucian ancestor worship. <laughs> this is about all the causes and conditions that support our lives. Another way to think about this, I wrote an article called Meeting Your Ancestors of the Future. It's um, somewhere on the website. Meeting Your Ancestors of the Future. So right now, we're here in 2023. I've been watching all these time travel science fiction shows. So. Let's get confused, but you know, we're not practicing, of course, just for ourselves. This isn't a self-help practice. Of course, we all bet we each benefit from practice and from the dharma. But the point of our practice is not to, you know, um, I don't know what, get a better job or better grades or I don't know, whatever. Um, we practice for each other. We practice for all beings in Mahayana, the Bodhisattva ways, universal awakening. So our practice here in the Lincoln Square Zendo is not just for all of us here, although it is for all of us here. We each benefit each other just as we sit here together, breathe the same air. But also we are practicing for 
people in Lincoln Square a hundred years from now, so that we can have that they will have a place to find this practice. But practicing for people walking by on Lawrence Avenue five hundred years from now, whatever that will be, five hundred years from now, we practice for beings in many times. So those beings, a hundred years from now or two hundred years from now, are looking back at us. In some sense, they are our ancestors. They are looking back and encouraging us. Do what you can to take care of the climate calamities. Do what you care, what you can to find peace and avoid war. Uh, they're concerned. They're having a hard time. We know now that they will be having a hard time. But there'll be somebody here. How are we practicing for ancient dragons and gate 50 years from now, 20 years from now, 170 years from now? For your grandchildren's grandchildren, or if you don't have children for friends of yours who have children, their grandchildren's grandchildren. How are we taking care of the world? So serving the ancestors is doing the Buddha work in all space and all time. So um, just to add a little bit, there's an issue in American Zen now that goes back to both sides of this. Performing the Buddha work. Um, when one person sits, all space awakens. This sense that the first time is that Zazen, whether you conceived of it this way or not. That was it. Of course, our practice develops, our practice deepens, our practice of generosity deepens and opens up, our practice of skillful means, our practice of patience, and so forth. But in some ways, just to take this position is to do the Buddha work. The other side is respecting the ancestors. For those of you inclined to study Dharma, to, to uh, study some of the teachings of the sixth ancestor or Nagarjuna or Dogen or Suzuki Roshi, they nourish our practice. So we look back and respect and Aung San Suu says, serve the ancestors. But in practically speaking, in terms of American Zen, there's a, there's a tension there. How do we recognize that each 
Samba member is good. How do we listen to everyone? And also, how do we respect experience and training and practice experience and that the ancestors have given us something? So, uh, practically speaking, in Zen communities, the tension there is between, you know, I mean, in America now, we sort of have this idea of democracy. We've never really had one person, one vote, but we have the idea that each person, you know, so when we make decisions, should, should we just have everybody in the Sangha vote and that decides it? Or do we respect the ancestors? Do we respect the experience of practice, teaching? Many people in this room have practiced long and hard and, you know, really practiced and difficult. That is, that is wisdom. So, uh, you know, in, in, in traditional Zen in Japan and early American Zen, you know, the, 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 the abbot or the teacher who had this great authority, I remember when I first came to San Francisco Zen Center, Baker Roshi would decide, you know, there were, there were numbers of buildings and with numbers of rooms. It was up to him to decide what color to paint each room. We don't have to do that. But still, how do we respect authority and at the same time respect that each person is, each being is Buddha? So this is a question for us. And this has to do with how do we serve the ancestors and how do we perform the Buddha work? So maybe I've said enough. Uh, I'm interested in your comments, questions, and responses. Whether you're here online, you can see you, or whether you're here at this present. So David Raymond, you can help me call on people online, and maybe Jerry, you can help me see the people. <laughs> it's a little dark over there in the distance. Nicholas. I just had to say, Right, I, mean, I didn't know why I'm so emotional, but I just really uh, heard the truth of what you were saying and uh, felt it very deeply. You know, they're saying that there's no crying in baseball, but there is crying in Zen. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for you know, saying what I said, really need to hear. Um, you know, ancestors. Uh, I'm, I'm lucky because my grandmother's people documented their ancestry very well. They were abolitionists, abolitionists in southern Indiana, and they ran the Underground Railroad, and we have these great stories, like of one ancestor, she chased the, the slave catchers out of a house with an axe one night, <laughs> and she was just fierce, and and uh, another ancestor who would just would not buy products that they were made by slaves or had anything to do with slavery. And so he 
had to ride his horse, you know, many, many, many miles away. And eventually he came back one time and he was frozen to the horse, you know, to the saddle, and he had to chip him off. Um, and some other people were kidnapped by Indians, and it's just it's just great to have these that were returned three years later. <clears throat> so um yeah, uh, the work. So as I say, you know, no self, no problem. And I've been thinking about that a lot. And and I, I think for me the, the Buddha work is is uh really seeing that, that it's truly we, we emptiness is a real thing, you know. It's it's, it's not a thing exactly. Well, it's just, it's, it's not like some weird theory. It's like, it's just reality, right? Reality, yeah. Yeah, and so what I have left is my conditioning, you know, my epigenetic conditioning, all the conditions and all my reactivity, you know, just. And so for me, that's um, what I can do to the people immediately in my family, friends, world, city, whatever, is let go of fear. And let go of, you know, delusion. Let go of hate and greed. Tolerance, all the things. Um, that seems to me to be the work. Um, and then it plays out in different places. Here, home, or wherever. And and also the thing about the ancestors, like, like everyone, yeah, we're everyone is our ancestor, literally, like just you know genetics. You know, we're the same species. You know, it's like we're so much more alike, you know, than we are different. As, you know. And that's a beautiful thing, and it's sometimes hard to remember because you know, like, we're very good at othering and you know making enemies out of people, but. Um, but then we can have a beautiful talk like this, and it all just cracks open. You know, it's it's just it's a relief. So thank you so much. And thank you, Nicholas, and thank you for telling us of your wonderful ancestors. And gosh, you know, it's we are living in a time where some misguided politicians who are promoting cruelty are now saying slavery was a good thing. Slaves benefited from the openness anyway. But I wanted to, this thing about ge genetic karma and ancestors, it's really interesting. My favorite television show is Finding Your Roots with Henry, by Henry Louis Gates. Uh, he's a great scholar and has a wonderful staff who explores the histories of his guests and finds all these interesting stories way back. Um, it's a wonderful history lesson. Um, then also explores DNA. And, uh, yeah. Um, finds amazing things like uh, Johnny Cash was, is related to Angela Bassett. Um, and sometimes it'd be, I don't know, has anybody else seen the show? It's Finding Your Roots. I mean, it was Gates, it's on PBS. Um, you can look up back, back uh, episodes. But sometimes at the end, he'll provide this wonderful uh, family tree going way back. Sometimes somebody they took back to Charlemagne, I don't know, anyway. 
but and some black people he, he actually finds the, the the person who came from Africa usually that that's not possible sometimes it's only a couple generations that's possible but um, sometimes at the end they well there's stories about ancestors and sometimes at the, at the end he'll say oh look and see this next person and there's somebody who's been on before who through DNA they know is, is a lady is a cousin uh, so just uh, I want to cut the, to keep this brief Ed Norton a wonderful actor and Julia Roberts were on one uh, episode and Julia Roberts had uh, abolitionist ancestors and slave owner ancestors and Edward Norton was a direct descendant of, of is a direct descendant of Pocahontas and also has from people who came over on the Mayflower. And then in the end, they, they showed the, the, who, the person who you're related to, and they're related to each other. <laughs> so we're all related, this, this web of ancestry. You know, it's also, it's true through the Zen lineages and the Buddhist lineages and all the different branches of Buddhism, which all inter interact. Anyway, um, but I, I do recommend that show as a great history lesson. Thank you, Nicholas. Other comments or questions? Yes, hi, Sam. Thank you so much for touching a few things that I've been just now starting to feel in part. I realized recently, you know, when you say or chant things over and over, sometimes they pick up a new meaning. Yes. And I feel like the merit, we dedicate this merit to our ancestors, you know, that's that that's soon the meaning of dedicating our work to somebody else if we're able to also. And it also made me think because you know, we do say like you say our women ancestors are our, our ancestors and 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 that connected to our things that I've been thinking recently, but I don't know how to put together. One is you talk about the lineage and that is linear, right? Whereas when we talk about the women ancestor, I see that more as a cloud that goes throughout horizontally, and it's a different kind. And then you touch the future ancestors, and that it's also very important. It's our future selves than in the present, and you know it's all connected. As you say, one can feel that, and and it all connected also. And I don't know in which way, but it resonated with um, what you said with last week's Sophia's talk about drifting. Um, I think drifting in the Americans, and you mentioned Americans, and I also recently heard uh, one of the talks by Suzuki Roshi that is on the website that talks about the American way of Zen Buddhism, which if we are to find, it's going to look different. And we, you know, and, and it also connected to maybe him going to Sokoji and then drifting away, and then the idea that happened in Japan, all of that. So I don't know what to make of all of that, but what all this puzzle pieces have been like being presenting themselves here and in particular resonated with Sinjiroshi's American way of Buddhism, of which I know nothing and I know nothing about our and mine ancestors, but it feels like an open field of possibilities a lot. And as much as tradition as a person who, you know, came out 21 years ago when I was 15, if I were to follow the ways of my mom in that, in that sense, or to honor the way that my grandma saw it, it wouldn't have necessarily been the best thing for me or for the people that I touched in my life, right? Mm -hmm. So I took a new path with that, and eventually, I think it, it has, it's forcing what it needed, it had, it had to be, regardless of the center of 
So I wonder what that would look like. And I think it's really good that we have this cloud of possibilities. Thank you for touching all these very complex issues that I have no clue how to interpret. Complex possibilities, yes, that's good. And um, just uh, one point, when you're talking about the, the Zen lineage, mm -hmm. it's, we, we say one name after the other, but in each generation, it's, it's not, it's more like branches and stalks, and, you know, and because uh, in each generation, well, not, maybe not, maybe in some generations there was there's one student with one teacher, but usually there's a number of teachers, like Suzuki Roshi's studied with, he's transmitted from Gyokuji and so on, but he also studied with Kishizawa Iyama a lot. So I think so, so both of them. And, you know, in my own practice, I have many teachers. Uh, so, uh, although I have attention, Anderson is my good teacher, but anyway. Uh, so it's not just one person. And this is uh, what I wanted Ancient Dragons Endgate to be. And we have in the room a number of teachers and practice leaders and, uh, and uh, I recommend you to talk to talk with them. And, and uh, I was going to save this for announcements, but I just say it now. Uh, I'm going to start doing Doksan here with Lincoln Square Zendo uh, before Sunday morning or before Monday evening, like uh, times uh, six, 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 six thirty Monday. And eight thirty Sunday. So, but by appointment. So, email me, and uh, we can we can arrange an appointment. I also will continue being available for phone and Zoom. So, but yeah, we all learn from each other, and we're all each other's ancestors. So, um, Mike's hand is up. Oh, Mike! Hi. Hi, Tegan. Thank you for your talk. Um, I'm uh, I'm thinking about your talk and, and what Simone just said, and um, it made me think of uh, this idea of chosen family. And so, as as uh, LGBTQ people, and not just LGBTQ people, but um, a lot of times um, LGBTQ people, especially, will um, separate themselves from their their biological families for whatever reason, whether or not their their biological families might disown them because they're not comfortable with um, whatever their their status is, um, or vice versa. Um, a person might intentionally make a choice to um, not want to be a part of the family that raised them. And and so I think about okay, um, which I think is good, um, but then those people who you've distanced yourself from are still your ancestors um, because, you know, you're, they ha you have their genetic material as part of you. Um, and so I think about um, like the, how we chant our ancestors in, in Zen Buddhism. And I, I, I wonder, you know, obviously usually, you know, if a person studies with a teacher, they're, they usually have a good relationship with that person. Um, but I wonder if they might not, like you know someone who's two or three rings up the up the lineage be like oh i wish that person wasn't in my lineage you know um or you know i wish i could you know disown myself or you know separate myself from them in some way and so it makes it i don't know i don't know what i'm trying to get at i'm, I'm thinking about how there might be situations where 
um, people, for whatever reason, might separate themselves from people who are their their ancestors, but um, we still learn from that, and that that still shapes who we are. Um, that that separation. Um, so it's like kind of another way of learning from your ancestors in some way. So I don't know. That was a thought I had. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you for that. That's, there's a lot there in what you share. Uh, chosen family, song is kind of like that. You know, the people here choose to show up here, and um, and we're family. You know, sometimes with family troubles. You know, uh, but we, you know, we have we work things out as family, uh, and that's it's important. Um, I want to go back to something, though, that Simone was talking about American Zen uh, and Suki Roshi talking about American Zen. We don't know what American Zen is, or I could say this is American Zen <laughs> right here <laughs> in this room. But, uh, you know, Chinese Buddhism became really Chinese at over, you know, four or five hundred years. So we won't know what American Zen is maybe for 50 years. <laughs> Somebody will know that, maybe. So uh, we're, we're making it all up in some real way. This is not, you know, it may feel like we're following all these archaic Japanese forms or something, but this is nothing like Japanese Zen. <laughs> it isn't. But that's okay. We've benefited from that. Anyway, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm rambling now. Um, any, uh, Dylan, hi. Hi. So uh, I, I really love this question of, you know, how do we do the Buddha work and there's, you know, a, hopefully a, a bajillion answers to it. The two that, like, come to mind to me of, like, the ones that I wanted to bring up uh, were uh, challenge or challenging and um, planting joy. Ah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I'll go with planting joy first because it's, it's, it's almost like a bodhisattva report to have where uh, when I was on the train going to Texas to uh, uh, bring, bring the girls back to see their dad, uh, the woman that ran the dining car um, was would, would get on the, the microphone and just, you know, uh, talk to you as if you had been in a conversation with her. Go uh, oh, hi. How's it? Oh, that's nice. Do you like your little time? Well, anyway, we're going to open the dining car in about 20 minutes. And she would do this every time. And it would, like, it was planting joy. She would also ramble off, like, five dad jokes. And so I, I she won a lot of points to me. And then when I went to the dining car, um, she had all these buttons on her that said free hugs. Mm-hmm. And Amber had given me this assignment to go in and get um, get cream cheese for our bagels because we remembered to bring bagels and we forgot to bring cream cheese. Oh, and no. the, kids, the kids wanted cream cheese. And so I was like, hey, you know, we have some bagels. Could, could you give us some cream cheese? And she said, I can't, actually. You have to buy the bagels in order to get the cream cheese. Oh. And I said, oh, okay, that's that's I get it. That's cool. And so I you know, bought something for Amber and me, Amber and I. And, uh, and then she like, made this call that was like, do I have a surplus of cream cheese? There's somebody on, you know, on the train staff, and they were like, affirmative, do. And so then she just, like, showered me with cream cheese. 
in what an image. image. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and so I was like walking back to our seat and I just like I just felt it in my heart. I was like, that was a bodhisattva. Mm-hmm. That person, like just somebody yeah. that's reminding you to like, you know, to, to whatever you're wrapped up in, to just kind of let go of that and remember the joy of being alive. Mm-hmm. Um, so planting joy as being part of the bodhisattva work. And then in, in challenging, like I, I'm, I'm thinking of this line from uh, Good Will Hunting, which is since I grew up in Boston, was like required viewing. Um, <laughs> One of my where, favorite films. Yeah, and so Robin Williams, this, Matt Damon asks Robin Williams what love is, and Robin Williams says, "Someone who challenges." And that's been a quote that's lived in my mind since I was a teenager. And I like there's a lot of different dimensions of what that means. Uh, you know, I'm thinking like. You know, for, for Amber, like, you know, she'll, you know, tell me like, to go for something. Like, that challenge of, like, you know, hey, you know, you could do this. You should go for it. Like, the challenge of that. I think we challenge each other here. I was thinking about this after your talk, Sophia. Like, you know, that's part of what we do together is we encourage each other to sit in an uncomfortable position for 35 minutes. And we, will, you know, will each other to do that. And And then there's also the challenge of, like, Someone who's close enough to you and cares enough about you to let you know, like, hey, you know, this is going a little bit, you know, like I think you might be running up against the rails a little bit, and giving you the opportunity to be able to be like, you know, wow, I think I was being a little unfair. Like I had that moment with Amber yes on Sunday, where you know I got a chance to say, like, I think I was being unfair earlier about this, and how much love there is in that. To that somebody, you know, that an intimacy of that kind of connection, um, how we take care of each other through through that kind of care. Um, so, just a couple of examples. There's many more. That was great. Thank you. I'm not sure how much more time we have. Maybe we should start to wrap up. But thank you for all the comments. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for performing the Buddha work. Thank you for respecting all the different kinds of ancestors. So.